0: Well, guys, looks to me like it's good enough. Slap a little bit of duct tape on it. Who cares what it looks like? And other things you should not do with your church on this edition of Rural Pastors Talk. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rural Pastors Talk. My name is TJ Freeman. I'm a rural pastor, and
1: I'm talking to... Hey guys, I'm Pastor Joe Wagner. I am also a rural pastor from Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, and kind of talking to... Hey guys, I'm not a rural pastor. I am, however, a pastoral assistant. And you're
2: rural. And I'm rural. And you're talking. I am. I'm Joshua McLaren. Hello. We're coming to you
0: here from Wellsboro Bible Church, and we're so glad to have you along as we talk about the fact that good enough is not always good enough, especially when it comes to shepherding the flock of God. So what happens when, as pastors, we get a little too comfortable, we maybe get complacent in the church we're leading, or we get so busy and overtaxed that we can't really do things with excellence? How do we handle it when our church becomes program-driven and you're just trying to achieve what the program calls you to do? Or when we're too motivated by metrics and we're just chasing the numbers all the time. What do you do in the church when it just feels like, uh, I'm tempted to say in this case
1: that good enough is good enough? You guys ever run into this? All the time. I am so busy. Sometimes it just gets too, oh, let me get this done. I have to war against that temptation quite a lot. It just seems like there's not enough hours in the day sometimes to devote to what we really devote to. There's so many important things to do, so I need to take a deep breath and really focus and do an excellent job on each thing that I do. Josh? Yeah, you
2: you guys have been running the race for a while. I've only been in it for a year, and it was almost instantaneous that I felt that temptation to be like, I have all this stuff to do, so I'll just half-heartedly do all of it
0: as long as you get it done externally yeah it's okay um you know i've i've thought about that saying that old old saying the cobbler's kids have no shoes Mm. that's another example of this where it's like i'm so busy doing all these other things my kids will get by with no shoes they'll be okay man sometimes we do that in the church and that's a problem you know why why is that a problem tj well we can't get away from the scriptures like one of my favorite ones this verse i don't know if you guys knew this you probably did this verse is on the front of my family minivan.
2: I knew it. I saw it one Sunday morning. Did I was you? like, oh, that's clever.
0: Yeah. It's 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. It's our family's verse. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So that raises the stakes just a wee bit, don't mm, you think?
1: I think so. So give me a little bit of exposition there, Spurgeon. What's that mean? Well, um, let me break it
0: down for you. It means if you eat... <laughs> Or if you drink. I do both. Or Look if you do anything
1: else, uh-huh.
0: that your motivation should be the glory of God. So in other words, we're not working just to get things done in any capacity, but especially in the local church where we understand the church is meant to show the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, Ephesians 3.10. So we we are making a statement through the way we operate as a church that has God's glory attached to it. So not only in all areas of life should we strive to do it for the glory of God and not our own good or our own effort or whatever. When we, when it comes to the church, we need to do everything we do as pastors for God's glory. That just changes everything. So it's not about chasing the metric, though metrics sometimes are useful. It's not about making sure that we're doing what the program says, although programs sometimes are useful. And it's not about just getting it done so you can walk away and say, good, that's at least taken care of well enough that I can go on to do something
1: else. Or Colossians three twenty three: whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men.
0: Mm, right there. Same theme. So we are working under the Lord and we know that. I mean... We're called by Lord the Lord we're qualified by the Lord we're equipped by the Lord to come into the service He gives the church the gift of elders of pastors teachers and um so we're we're we know that getting into this, but day to day kind of in your daily grind as a pastor, sometimes I think we we sadly lose sight of that so you can kind of get into that situation where one classic example would be the church building starts to fall in a little bit of disrepair or or clutter. So you kind of, you walk by that box sitting in the corner 50 times and you forget about it. You don't even see it there. Um, nobody's dusting the plants anymore because you're not thinking about those. Um, for us, you know, we had this back porch that just looked bad for a long time. And then we had that pastor's conference and we were like, hey, we should do something about that. Um <laughs> I think sometimes maybe even in the way we prepare for sermons, this could happen. So, boy, I got called out to this thing. I had to go to that hospital visit. I had a funeral this week. I got a wedding next Saturday. Um, I have this issue going on in my own household. When am I going to sermon prep? Eh, Saturday night, eh, I'll do my best. It'll, it'll be good enough. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll get by. I don't think I'll embarrass myself too much. Rather than saying, you know, I have this nuclear stuff that I'm supposed to communicate, the, the very word of God, which is more powerful than anything in this world that I'm handling. Um, sometimes we can get slack in our relationships and we, we give just enough input into the relationships we have with our church members to get by. That's enough. I gave them a little nudge today or I, um, made sure I said hi to them on Sunday, but we're not actually investing in discipleship relationships.
1: You're talking about the weather rather than talking about serious stuff.
0: Correct. Yeah, good enough. We had a little conversation over a cup of coffee
1: in the back of the church. That, that was good enough for a while
0: uh, instead of getting under the hood. These are the kind of things that as, as rural pastors we can run into quite a lot because our time is, is particularly taxed. Uh, and then if you happen to be listening as an associate pastor, You could be tempted to be working to please the lead pastor and just making sure, well, he's given me this list of things to do as long as I get them done, as long as I check the boxes, then I'm good. And instead of doing your work under the Lord, now all of a sudden you're doing your work to please the person who gave you the assignment uh, instead of, you know, as it should be. Or if you're listening as a bivocational pastor, you might be going... Forget giving all my effort to that place because I got to work 40 hours. I got my family to attend to. They're not even paying me or paying me enough. So I just need to do what I can do to
1: get by in that case. Because that's a really big one. Um, time. Listen, guys, I I really feel like I'm a perfectionist. I really feel like the things that are very important uh, to the ministry are very very important to me. And your hair, it's and, always perfect. Oh. I have hair jealousy. <laughs> um, you, you threw me off right there, but I do try <laughs> to make sure my hair is just about right every time I leave. But anyway, we um, really—you got to be able to find a balance. You got to be able to figure out what you're able to do excellently, to be able to do that excellently. And maybe what you need to do is you need to delegate. I think that's one of my great weaknesses. I can only do so much. And I can only do so much excellently, so maybe I need to delegate this to somebody else and have them use their gifts so that they can work towards being a great steward and working to the glory of the Lord in that area as well. Which is actually very biblical
0: because we are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. A
1: hundred billion percent, yes. So I don't. I often will say the answer to a lot of our problems is just working harder, and that's not necessarily scriptural or biblical at all. But that's just generally how I'm geared in this particular one. One, that's going to cause you all sorts of unhealthiness and heartache and possibly even depression and despair. This one is something that really need to think this through to be able to do things excellently.
0: So your point here would be not so much to the guy who's maybe um, just clocking in, clocking right. out. yeah, kind I'm of not pastor. talking to
1: you guys. You, you guys need to You guys got your up. own issues, yeah, baby. But for the guy that's just... Um, spending 80 hours a week in both in your bivocational job. And then also in your pastoral ministry, um, just weigh some stuff out carefully and rest at home. Love your wife, love your family, uh, rely on that, uh, rely on the elders that you have in the other leadership too. So help me out here, TJ, cause this is one of what's really in your wheelhouse. And I've struggled with this personally.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of tension here because, um, most pastors are not slouches. It's it's not the average pastor who would be the kind of guy who's going to overlook a lot of things or um, be lazy. Most guys probably fit into what you're talking about, where there's a, maybe a little bit of a perfectionist thing. We know we're striving as unto the Lord. Um, we know that the glory of God is at stake, um, not because we can damage it, but because we want to represent it well and we don't want to misrepresent the Lord or tarnish his reputation in our community in any way. Um, We know that souls are at stake. We are compelled to feed the, the sheep like Jesus called Peter to do on the seashore. And so really the issue isn't like a laziness thing versus a perfectionist thing. The issue is doing whatever we're doing with all of Christ's strength, L- like he says where, Joe?
1: In Colossians 1, 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And that's the point, guys, is that we need to stop struggling in our own strength
0: because that's when we start making compromises. That's when we get so focused on, I got to get this sermon done, or I got to get to that hospital visit, or I got to— work through this counseling situation, that we do unintentionally neglect some things in favor of the other things. So this is a call to balance and to making sure that we're doing the right things and that we're doing those things well. So to your point on delegation, you know, it's really, it shouldn't be the job of the pastor to focus on making sure that things are neat and tidy. That doesn't mean that a pastor is above that in any way, and we should all be very happy to take out the trash, clean the toilet, mop the floor. But there should be, in your pastoral wisdom, some efforts made to asking some other people to do those things so that you can do the things you're called to do, which is spend time in prayer and spend time ministering the word. So really kind of the heart behind this particular episode is to call our brothers and ourselves to focus primarily on the things that an elder in scripture is called to focus on and to find ways to make sure the other things get done well using the, the church that God has you placed within. So you're placed within a ministry context that has its own unique challenges that are different than the challenges we have, but there, we all have the challenges And the people you have are the people you have. It's not the people you wish you had. It's Mm -hmm. the people you have. Maybe you can't afford to hire somebody. Maybe you don't have um, a congregation full of young, strong, energetic people. Maybe you don't have any older, wiser people. Whatever. I mean, you got your own issues. Figure out what it is that allows you to obey the scripture that says, that we need to equip the saints for the work of ministry and do those things well. So in the rural world, I think what we need to do is stop trying to do everything the pastors we look up to are doing and start asking, what can we do as a church? Um, What is it that as a church of our size and our location Given the people we have, we can do really well, and how can I as a pastor be freed up to do the things that Scripture calls me to do so that the things we're doing are all get do, done, getting done well, and it's not all the pastor's responsibility, and then he arrives in that place where he says, not outwardly, but in his heart, good enough is good enough. As long as I have something to say when I get up on there Sunday morning, I'll be okay. As long as the building isn't falling down, it doesn't matter what it looks like. As long as a greeter gets the guests, it doesn't matter how they're treated. Uh, as long as the bathrooms have flushable toilets, it doesn't matter if they're handicap accessible. As long as you know the building doesn't smell too bad, we're okay. All of these things that we do because we're so busy trying to do everything, and we're failing to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that good enough becomes good enough, and that really is
1: not an accurate view of the local church. So this isn't just stuff to think about and, and philosophical things to occupy our time. We could really apply these and, and, and build a framework around, all right, this is what I've got going on right now. So like seven different things that we've come up with uh, to help you be able to make sure that you're not just doing stuff that's good enough. Okay, so here it is. Seven thoughts effective pastors think. All right. First thought, number one, I am to work as if I expected the Lord to inspect my work to his glory. I I do often think about this when I am about elbow deep into a sermon and just have had about enough and coming up dry. And I have to remember... The Lord Jesus is listening to this sermon. I'm talking about him, and I'm giving him the glory. I'm entering the throne room, delivering this sermon, and he is an audience of one. And that really, really, really brings me back to focus on what I should be focusing on and to write that sermon in his power and the power of the Holy Spirit and my effort to the best I possibly can.
0: Mm, that's a really important thought. That should motivate everything we do, not out of guilt or shame or fear, but out of our love for yeah, our Savior Christ.
1: I, I love him, and I want to do this well for him. Now,
0: when I was a teenager, I had a job at the local pizzeria, throwing some pizza pies. and Papa V's? Yes. Mostly I was delivering the pizza pies and other culinary delights. When um, When I was done with my shift, I had to wait until the pizza shop closed. And then my final responsibility of the night was to sweep and mop the floors. And I was the only one there. The owner would go home. It'd be like, you know, 11 o'clock at night. I'll tell you what, I did not want to be there in that pizza shop at 11 o'clock at night by myself, sweeping and mopping the floors. I just wanted to go home. And I remember my dad saying to me, you need to do your work as if the owner was standing right there watching you, even though you're in there by yourself. And he would always tell me, I don't care if you sweep floors. I don't care if you dig ditches. I don't care if you're the president. You need to always work in that way. And that principle fits this particular point very well, because the Lord always is watching and we always are doing it to Him. He's not watching like Santa Claus who gives you rewards based on how good you are and uh, takes those rewards if you fail. He is your risen Savior. He is there by your side leading and guiding you into holiness, and He means to make you into Him His image, even through your work doing some mundane things like that. So we need to work heartily uh, under the Lord. Which mm-hmm. leads to our second thought, effective pastor's thanks. thanks. What do
1: you think, man, for number two?
0: I am to work out of the joy of the Lord. If nothing else, John Piper has done a, a phenomenal job on teaching us how to have joy in the Lord. He's emphasized the importance of it through his doctrine that he's invented.
2: <laughs>
0: Identified. Uh,
1: there's nothing
2: new.
0: Classified. This,
1: uh, yeah,
2: added, added a name. Classified. Yeah. Um,
0: Christian hedonism. We should just actually have a true joy in the Lord. And it makes sense. Joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And because the Spirit is living in us... He is most glorified when I am most... Satisfied satisfied in Him. him. We should have joy just welling up in us. So I'm not to do my work begrudgingly or stubbornly or uh, just got to do this because God's called me to this place to do this thing with these crabby people. It's, no, I have a joy. I have a delight in my Savior. I want to bring glory to the one who sacrificed his life for me. I, I want to please the one who bore the wrath of God so that I didn't have to. I have been given a calling that allows me to declare the truth of the gospel for a living. What a joy that is. How kind the Lord has been to to me in this situation. So we should do our work out of
2: the joy of the Lord. That thought will make you more effective as a pastor. Number three. I am an image bearer. So we think back to Genesis one and two, the triune God says that that he will make man in his image, in the image of God, and we are created in his image. So when we're doing things, By God's grace, he's restored us to a right relationship with him through the gospel, and we're able to actually represent him well. It's as if we're being representatives of a a king. We are. We are being the representatives of the king. We're acting as the church and as individuals in the church like an embassy, and we're representing Christ in what we do in our thoughts, our words, our actions, our deeds, regardless of where we're at. God made us in his image, and he told us to manage stuff. Yep you know so we
0: we are made in his image we represent him wherever we go and then number 4 i just alluded to i am a steward i'm supposed to care for god's things so god made the earth he filled it with things that were pleasing to him that he calls good and then he's called man to steward those things to exercise his dominion where everywhere everywhere that's right even the moon no sorry <laughs> nice <laughs> Um. So yeah, we're we're stewards of God's stuff And an effective pastor thinks about that all the time I am not here to build my own kingdom To establish my own platform To hear good job pastor To be able to sleep well at night Because I think I've done a job well done I am here as a steward An under shepherd In this case, in case of the church of God's people And mm. that really informs the way we
1: work And then, fifthly Remember the thought, I need the input of others. There is safety in the, an abundance of counselors. Um, receive constructive criticism. Other folks, uh, especially other elders, other church leaders, um, other members of your church might have a different way of looking at things that it's a, a better or, or more true or right way of looking at it than what you do. So humble yourself a little bit. And, and ask them for their help and their opinion on something like, hey, what is the foyer supposed to look like? Hey, the how what? should we do that? That was this the isn't French. France? This is the French pronunciation. Foyer. Also Shall I foyer. get baguettes? I like it. I like it. Yeah, so. How about that French fry? Get the input actually Belgian Of others <laughs> That waffles. is one great way To think about that Or good books Or from other pastors As well
0: If you're not Hearing from others You're probably not Doing a very good job You know We Like you said Joe There's wisdom In many counselors If we Aren't reading You know This is a secular saying And once I used it In a sermon And got a little backlash But I'll use it on the podcast If you're not reading You're not leading And if you're Wait Readers are leaders And leaders are readers if you're not reading, you're not leading. And I think it's true. We need to be always growing and always learning. If nothing else, we need to be just poured into the scriptures. But there are a number of other useful books. And then, like you said, a hearing from your elders and other pastors. Joe, how much have we benefited from the relationship we have with each other? I am a
1: better pastor because of your input. I I know you are. Um, I'm still kind of waiting on my end. But it's okay. <laughs> i'm saying because of your help i have improved okay but from your i've said it it i get it no i'm telling you having the having your input having the input of your pastors of your church of your ministry here has really benefited god's family fellowship in a tremendous way and we have been blessed by that incredibly so both
0: of us are spurred on by one another's ministries because of the love for the gospel that exists within our churches. We need to hear from others. That is a helpful thought if you want to be an effective pastor. And so is this, number six, I'm not supposed to just get this done. I I know we don't mean it, but so often that's where we arrive, where it's like, I just got to get this done, then I can whatever it is. And we shouldn't think that way in ministry ever because... If we're going to do it, we're to do it heartily unto the Lord. We're going to do it for the glory of God. So either I need to not do this or I need to do this really, really well.
2: Josh, do you have any thoughts?
1: Like a seventh one?
2: Like a seventh one? Yeah. So number seven, Joe, would be this work is not what satisfies me. You know, the last episode we talked about our satisfaction being in Christ. Talking about my motivation. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I'm being satisfied in my work, I mean, ultimately, that's going to fall short. You know, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to disappoint myself. I'm going to be disappointed in others and the work that they do. If I'm putting my satisfaction in Christ, he'll never fail me. I can look to him. He's my sure and steady anchor. He is my mighty fortress. Um, and if I'm being satisfied in him continuously, then I, I can have grace for others. I can have grace for myself. There's forgiveness. There's mercy being showed because I've been shown it. So... Good job with the song reference, Keith Getty. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yes. Joe, this one speaks to
0: what you were talking about earlier when you were mentioning the perfectionism. Um, when we get into a mode where it has to be perfect and done right and we're just so down on ourselves when we fail... A lot of the times we're trying to do it for our own satisfaction or thinking like, you know, the Lord's not going to be satisfied with me if I don't do this perfectly, or the people in the church are not going to be satisfied with me, or we, we act like it's a virtue, but it's really not when we think, I just won't be satisfied with myself until I get it perfect.
2: That is not healthy. you going to be waiting for an eternity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man, we fail all the time. So this list is not like ways not to fail. This is just how to be effective. This is the way in which we should strive. Um, We should strive to do things unto the Lord, and we should never try to be satisfied. You know, when I lay in my bed, I don't want to go, boy, I did well today. I want to say, boy, God was gracious to me today. So to sum it up, guys, if you're really, really busy, and most pastors are, you've probably neglected some critical areas, and you've probably— Out of survival, not giving away some of the things that you should be giving away, away. turn to the Lord, pray for his wisdom, seek out the wisdom of your elders, talk to your congregation, um, seek their help, and serve him faithfully in everything that you do. And with that, let's turn our attention to our inbox.
2: Boy, we're really bad at this today. I think we should keep that one. You do. I enjoyed it. So, guys, we have an email question. Hit us with it. Well, what role, if
1: any, should tithing play in membership?
2: Mandatory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we want to see your financials before you sign Bring up. Bring
0: your Bible, your checkbook, and a pen. <laughs> that's what we say. No, um, that's a great question, actually. Um, it's an important question because there are a lot I of-
1: actually did interrupt you when last membership class that we had coming into an elder interview, somebody literally came to us and said, my dad told me that if you guys ask for my financials, I'm supposed to run out the door. And I was like, (laughs) don't worry. We're not going to ask you for your financials. That's right.
0: Yeah. No, it certainly doesn't get to that degree. There are a lot of ways churches mishandle this. Some churches never talk about it. Some churches won't stop talking about it. And, um, we need to ask the question where, what, What should it be? How much should we talk about this specifically as it relates to membership? So we at Wellsboro Bible Church often talk about giving in terms of our members. So on Sunday mornings, we say every single Sunday, if you're a guest here, we want you to give to your own local church, not here. If you don't have a local church, we'd love to talk to you about making this your local church, but you should know that our members take seriously the responsibility to give Give so that the work of this ministry can continue on as it has since the late 1800s, 1886. This work has continued. We were in a paid for building, you know, all these kind of things because the members have faithfully given. And we want to see the gospel go forth in our area nation and our world. And our members know that and they give to that. Um, we want to see people discipled. That happens in part by your giving right now as a member. So it's really, really connected to
1: your membership, but it's only connected to your membership because it's connected to your Christianity. Yeah, it is, it is connected to your Christianity. This is a sacrifice of praise that you're giving back as well. God has blessed you with so much and, and what you give back. We're not talking about any specific numbers or any specific ratios. Give back with a cheerful heart, a joyful heart and, and give back generously as well. So that's how we handle it at GFF as well. And, and we talk about uh, a responsibility that we have to give as Christians.
0: some scriptures, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So there's a principle there that we talk about a lot. We should be cheerful in the way that we give, and we should decide to give some, and that that we should not do that reluctantly or under compulsion, which doesn't mean we don't do it. It means we should have the right heart when we do it. Um, The biblical principle that it's better to give than it is to receive. That would certainly apply to this. Um, And then you have examples of people actually in Scripture who have given much, and then you have other examples of people who gave little and trusted in other things, uh, like the Pharisees would do. Um, We have people who draw attention to themselves, like the Pharisees, through the way they give, and then people who give in, in secret. That's another principle I think that's important. We should not give, letting other people know what we're giving. We should give mm-hmm. uh, privately. So then wh- how do we look at it as elders? So I have no idea who gives what. Nope. I don't have a problem with a pastor knowing that. Um, one brother once made the it argument. Depends on their motivation. That's correct. One brother once gave me the argument, you know, if, if somebody has a marriage problem, I want to know about it. Um, and I'm going to go talk to them about it. If somebody's withholding their finances from the Lord, I think I should know about that, and I should probably go talk to them about it just out of love because that would be an area where they're being sinful. I think that's a good argument. I don't know because we have elders who do know, and I don't need to be one of them, I think, as the teaching pastor. I don't want that to enter into the relationship that I'm having with another person, so I just choose not to have access to that at all. And, uh, I, I think it's okay either way. That's just kind of our position. But when we have our member class, we'll tell the new people coming in, just to be very clear, we want you to regularly, cheerfully give a a significant part of your finances to the church. We're not doing it because we want to grow some fantastic ministry. We're not doing it because we want to put a water slide down to the kids ministry. Um, we're not doing it so that we can, um, have pastors who drive Lexuses, even though if you're a pastor who drives a Lexus and the Lord somehow lets you use that for his glory, good on you. I couldn't do it. Um, we're doing this so that the kingdom of God can expand. Yes, that includes having paid elders. And I think that is a, a major benefit to the local church to have guys who are set aside to study the word, to pray, to minister. That is a a distinct blessing. And whether I was a pastor or not, I would want to be in a church where somebody is that devoted to those things. So giving allows all of those kinds of things to happen. It allows your church to have all kinds of resources that are useful for people you're in covenant membership So, with. So I, I think that uh, it's really important that we explain those things to the congregation, uh, especially to those who are
1: becoming members. But it's not just our money, is it? No, it's our time and it's in our investment of of, of our emotional capital, of our um, time. Relationships. Really, relationships and your homes and your hospitality. It's it's pouring into this body of believers that you are a member of. That's right. Your knowledge, your wisdom, your shortcomings. We okay. should share our
0: sins with each other. That's something that we actually need to give. We're opening ourselves up to the Lord and to fellow members to be able to share some of the, the sins that we're struggling with that they might help us walk through them. Uh, that builds relationships, so that's that's relationship capital when you're willing to do those kinds of things.
1: Even when it comes to corporate worship and how much you're singing and your worship will lift up the person next to you. And when you're not there on a Sunday, how much are you slighting them? Or if you're not worshiping in that arena and area, to how much that is not encouraging them? We, we really... Uh, are in this not for ourselves like we have said a couple times in this podcast it is better to give in all things than it is to receive.
0: So I think it's important that we encourage other pastors not to shy away from this conversation now if you if you're trying to do your like big building campaign and then you got the next thing and the next thing the next thing and you're a big vision casting guy, I, I completely disagree with that model and I, I I can't I can understand why people are, cautious when pastors start talking about money because of the way that vision casting platform building pastors have abused money um, for the in, in the name of the lord it's just it's sickening but don't let a bad example of something cause you to shy away from that something just yeah. like there's bad examples of marriage it doesn't mean we get rid of marriage or don't do it anymore don't or...
1: let sin steal something good
0: that's right so you do it in faithfulness to the lord and in faithfulness to scripture make sure you're preaching expository sermons and eventually you're actually going to have to talk about it for that reason um, but you should talk about it regularly anyway as a body it's just an important topic um, God does his work through the finances of his people in many ways that's all i got to say about that
2: me too well done
0: then we ought to move on to our top two, two. Joe? Yeah. If you were to subtract 10 from 12, what would you have?
1: 8 What? <laughs> 10 from tw- 2 -2?
2: 2? Two? Two. No, 10 from 12. -2. There's 12 and you take 10 from it. You said oh 10 from 12. Yeah. Ah, word Sh- problem. I did
0: not intend for this to be a challenge.
2: <laughs> I haven't done math since high
0: school. Hey, I
1: I I'm a grammarian. And I mean, then if you I'm moved
0: them off the bottom shelf and put them up high, they would be your what? Top two <laughs> <laughs> he just, What just happened? <laughs> Didn't mean to blow your mind. Yeah, I was
1: shot. It is Friday Yee. after four o'clock and my brain just oozed out my all right. So lay it us on lay on us. What do you got? My non spiritual top two is Star Kissed Tuna Creations. That might sound super It sounds lame. really weird. <laughs> it's awful. What a horrible name. <laughs> but hey, it is pretty handy dandy they are the little like three ounce pouches of tuna fish that come in they're super handy you don't have to refrigerate them you can throw them in your desk drawer and they come in all sorts of different flavors there is uh, like tuna salad and there is like There's there's lemon lemon zesty stuff and thai hot chili and yeah it's just you could eat these out of the pack. I need to throw them on like a tortilla or a piece of bread or something. But it's a super cheap lunch. I got them at the Dollar General for like a buck twenty five. And- yeah,
0: Joe, you brought those on the hike. Yep, the hike. And I went home and bought some and had a tuna melt because you grilled a tuna melt on the trail. It looked so good.
1: It was. It was really good. Toast yourself a bagel and throw a piece of provolone on there and Mm. put some Starkist tuna creations and voila. They are good. That's my second French word. Voila. Voila. Are they the ones that come with their own spoon? I don't know. Okay, it may be be a a different company, but there's another
0: tuna creation that comes with its own spoon. It's really cool. It's folded in half and you pop it out and it it snaps open. (laughs) Yeah, like that. (laughs) And you have a spoon.
1: Well, that's super cool. Well, yeah, so there is my non-spiritual top two. I'm going to wanna... give you
0: mine now, too, because it's All right. in the same vein. It's also inspired by you on our camping trip. Wasabi peas. Mm-hmm. Those peas are wasabi. Get it? Not uh, French. Uh, um, no, but they are so, so good. My little kids love them, too. Do they really? They really Shocking. do. They're spicy. They're crunchy. They're salty. They're. It's not spice that kind of like burns your mouth. It clears out your sinuses. So it burns your nostrils. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> just for a second, and then it goes away. Yeah. And you don't pay for it later either. It just its a one-time little burn.
1: Low-calorie so. snack with lots of taste and flavor.
0: Yeah, that's right. So the wasabi peas, if you haven't tried them, pick them up at your local establishment.
1: You can buy a lifetime supply for like 5 bucks. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> a little bit goes a long way. All right, so here is my more spiritual top two. Um, this is one of the things that we have been doing as a leadership team on our elder board. We have a vision statement for the church as a whole. But one of the ways that we have wanted to be able to get our elders on the same page, speaking the same language, having the same goal, is we sat down and we've taken some time and we've prayed through it. We've sent around emails. We've talked this through. We've looked at scripture and we put together a goal. Like what is our goal as an elder board? Um, And I would just really recommend you and your leadership team to spend the time to, to, for a scriptural goal so that you're talking about the same stuff so that you're all focused on the most important thing that god has called you to do as elders or leaders in your church and we took ours from ephesians chapter 4 it's a passage that we come back to again and again on the pod and here's an example you mean of podcast because since... it sounded like you said pod podcast all right it sounded like you shortened it like
0: a
2: cool guy for a second
1: i did i i I'm sorry. Check us out on the pod. On the pod.
2: I liked it. I liked it, Joe.
1: All right. So like for us, the most important goal for our GFF elders is to see life-changing growth in the body of Christ that leads to spiritual maturity and unity in GFF members. So we just break it down, life-changing growth, unity, and maturity. That's what we're all about. So when we are in a counseling session so that we don't um, just hang out and talk about the weather or the latest sports teams- We want to see life-changing growth and maturity in these folks. It's just really, really super helpful to keep us focused on what we're supposed to be. And we can remember that in one-to-ones, in small groups, or even from our pulpit ministry. Whatever it is that we're doing, even in matters of stewardship, this is our goal. And we're going to be accountable to one another. Every single other meeting that we have, we're going to share in the first 20 minutes. This This is what I did. This is outside of the the crazy whirlwind of regular life of keeping things going. This is where I focused on our ultimate goal as elders, and I met with so-and-so, and and this is the result. Let me be able to pray for it. So Mm. I would super encourage you guys to have a goal to be able to speak the same language as an elder board or leadership team and get on the page and do God's work. That's great. We did that
0: with our staff recently, and it was really useful for us to be able to point each other back to, well, does that fit what we said we're really called to do as a staff?
1: Exactly, And it it keeps you focused. It
0: it does. It really helps. All right. My Spiritual Top 2 is a book by Andrew M. Davis called An Infinite Journey, Growing Toward Christlikeness. I came across this book when I was looking for something on sanctification. What does it really mean to be growing in the Lord, and how can I walk through with another man the process of becoming more and more like Christ. Um there's a lot of silly gimmicky things out there. This is not that at all. So let me tell you what uh some guys said about That looks this book. like it
1: has an infinite number of pages. Yeah, it's pretty thick. It's a 300 pager.
0: It is. Looks like 4 477. Woo! Looks good though. It sounds a, good. It's a phenomenal book. So let me tell you what some guys said. Dr. Schreiner from Southern said, we can be grateful to Andy Davis for writing a much needed book on sanctification. The book is biblically grounded, but also pastorally warm and wise. Readers who desire to grow in Christ or who long to teach each other about spiritual maturity will find this book to be an invaluable resource. And I agree. Tell you also what Dr. Don Whitney says about it. He says, besides the Bible, it would be difficult to find any other single resource with more biblically sound theologically rich, pastorally helpful, and practical insight about Christian growth than this book. Moreover, it's not just a book about progress in Christ-likeness, for I know Andy Davison can confirm that there's a life of growth in grace behind this book. I recommend it to anyone on the infinite journey of sanctification.
1: (laughs) That sounds like a great book for our elders to to read right now as we're talking about growth yeah actually that came to my
0: mind when you were talking about that good stuff i don't utilize it enough i wish that i had more men that i was walking through this with we often use grounded in the faith that i've mentioned before here on the pod, pod. cast so cool and <laughs> um this this one is really good but this is like a, a rigorous book and you have to have somebody who's really really into it to stick with you long enough to get through this book. But find a guy like that, go through it with him, and uh, apply it to your own life, too. Really helpful. Well, guys, we've reached the end of our recording session together. It's been a distinct joy Mm. and a highlight of my day. I've really enjoyed this pod. Me too, Joe. Now the pod's great. (laughs) Pod is like something an alien shows up in or a seed
2: dwells in. Or it's what the Happy Rant calls their podcast. Oh, my word. We're they not shorten, any They any of shorten our notes everything. from those guys.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes. Well, we're doubly <laughs> not calling it that now. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this edition of Rural Pastors Talk. We're rural, we're pastors, and we're talking. See you next time. Bye.
1: Bye. Joe. Go raise your Ebenezer. No, go raise your ebb. Go raise your (laughs) ebb.
0: (laughs) Listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Rural Pastors Talk. Hey, by the way, if you'd like to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you. RuralpastorsTalk at gmail.com.